Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Rachel Walla, principal consultant with Ally Safety, about the state of workplace safety and what to watch for in 2022. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Rachel Walla. She's the principal consultant at Ally Safety. Uh, welcome to the show, Rachel. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. So uh, I was wondering if we could start off, uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your company. Yeah, sure. So I am Rachel Walla. Uh, I started Ally Safety, I think, three, maybe four years ago now. And it started out as just me being a consultant, uh, kind of a private consultant and doing my own thing. I do safety and industrial hygiene. But then I started doing these safety videos and putting them on YouTube, and it quickly developed into being a safety video company. So um, we're updating the website right now. We're gonna start featuring our videos that are available for people to put on their LMS systems. And yeah, we spent all of last week filming. And oddly enough, as a safety professional, I had to learn how to do stunt falls for one of our videos. So I fell down the stairs quite a few times last week. Yeah, but you fell down the right (laughs) way, right? There, yeah, the right way with lots of padding. <laughs> um, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, it's been super interesting. Um, I love doing training. I love the educational side of things and just making something that I felt needed a refresh a little bit more interesting. So it's been awesome. Excellent. Well, we wanted to talk to you today about sort of um, the current state of workplace safety and where things are going. But what are some of your thoughts about just sort of where we're at, uh, you know, this, in this country uh, as far as workplace safety goes? Yeah, it's been an interesting time for us, for sure, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what I'm seeing, I've got a few larger clients that I still work with. I do less consulting now, but I've maintained clients both in the U.S. that are national and a few that are international. And one thing that's pretty common no matter where you go is this sort of ethical question about how we approach the pandemic. And so um, as you've probably seen, OSHA will not be enforcing their mask or not their mask, but their vaccine mandates currently. And so what I see as the big issue is this question among companies of how do we approach this, knowing that our job is to provide a safe workplace while also respecting the rights of workers. And where is that line between safety, security, and freedom? So that's a difficult ethical question that I think is overarching and and taking even more precedence than the question about safety right now in a lot of workplaces. Yeah, I mean, what what do you... What are, you, are people doing, I guess? Have you seen companies making decisions on that front? Or are they still trying to figure it out? It depends on the companies. I feel like they are making decisions. Uh, and But the, the drivers behind those decisions change a lot. So one thing that's interesting to me is, you know, the pandemic has taken on sort of a political bent, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, companies are trying to decide based on sort of the ethos of their customers or their workforce what's where they're going to take that. So it's not an easy right and wrong. It's more about, okay, how can we stay in business? and still serve the people we want to serve while also keeping people safe. So as an example, let's say that you work with a company that is going to be more conservative, maybe more right-wing. You see them taking uh, 
I would say like a, a more flexible approach to COVID right. where progressive companies are, are being more stringent and definitely taking safety and the prevention more seriously. So it's this sort of juggling act of how can we sort of find a happy medium where we can keep people on the payroll, keep doing our business, and also try to do the right thing by keeping people safe. And so the weird thing is like, you know, a lot of us safety professionals that are dealing with COVID now, we know a little bit about epidemiology and disease prevention and stuff like that. We aren't used to being put in a place where we are more responsible for people's health and health decisions. And so that's been a new thing this year for a lot of people. And we're wondering if this is the right place for it or not. And it's almost on two fronts, right? I mean, you've got, you know, sort of dealing with the, the reactions of your, your, your staff, you know, on these issues, but also with people, your customers, people, especially if you're a, a customer facing company where you've got people coming in and you're asking them, you know, do you ask them to wear a mask or, you know, do you require them to be vaccinated? So there's a lot of different, you know, things that work here that, that companies have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And then we add in this extra element of there was all these workplace violence cases with people interacting with the public, asking them to wear masks. So it's like, okay, we also have to keep our employees protected from disgruntled people who maybe haven't been out in public as much as usual and are reacting in big ways. So it's very, very dynamic. I think it's definitely a different challenge than we're used to in safety overall. Um, And it's been interesting to hear the conversations that are about it like where do we want to go with this what's the correct next step and sometimes it's not that there is a right and wrong it's what's the best option what's the most correct that we can see right now right and and like you said a lot of that depends on sort of where you are and you know who your customer base is and who your employees are so there's a lot of factors kind of weigh into that right yeah and of course businesses have to make the business decision that they think will make them still able to operate right so it's not easy but it is i think it's interesting to have the conversation bring that all out on the table because once we bring it all out on the table we can look at what we're actually deciding because sometimes these conversations are had in a way where everybody's trying to maneuver around saying the right thing Mm -hmm. uh but so much so that we can't actually say this is what's seriously happening in the workplace right now can we talk about it and bring it out into the open yeah, I mean, how do you how do you recommend companies deal with this? Like, should they be just sort of doing kind of like a town hall thing where they get everybody together and sort of lay it all out there? Or? Yeah, so a town hall can be difficult because you'll have some very outspoken people mm-hmm. um, on either side that can actually create a lot of tensions. So rather than a town hall, what I like to do is use the sort of employee groups, whether you have a union or your safety committee, bring together the representatives and the leadership to have these conversations. And they really need to be bringing it back and discussing things with the workforce in total. But what we wanna see is more of that collaborative approach. Being that we don't have an absolute mandate in place right now, there's a little bit more flexibility about how we approach it. And it's kind of like, it doesn't make sense to make a bunch of safety rules without consulting employees. Like we know that from good cultural practices, we need to bring our employees into the conversation because they're seeing things that we don't. So it's better to have that sort of conversation where you can bring leadership up 
have them get ideas from the workforce and then decide it in a room. I kind of like to do it workshop style, you know, where you have sort of one of those those tablets where you can write down everybody's thoughts so everybody knows their herds, stick it on the wall, and then go around and say, okay, now knowing what we know, where do we want to, what do we want to do with this information? And then it can be more collaborative and less uh, compliance forced, you know, because that's where a lot of the resistance comes in is where people feel like it's forced. Right. And for businesses, a lot of times they don't have a lot of options in this either. So they're just trying to do what's right. Especially, yeah, like, you know, you mentioned the vaccine mandate and then, you know, obviously immediately after, um, you know, OSHA kind of announced that there were court challenges and now it's being kind of held up and now OSHA is not enforcing it. So there's a lot of go there's a lot going on. So if you're a business owner, you know, I'm sure your head's spinning right now trying to keep up with, you know, the latest stuff. Plus, you know, depending on what state you're in, there's, you know, different mandates there. So uh, it's pretty crazy right now. Yeah, it is. And these employers who are in multi-states have such a difficult right. time just coming up with all the regulations, you know, and, you know, you add that on top of, okay, we're dealing with supply chain issues and inflation and all these other things. And now we're all also asking employers to really take an active role in um, protecting employee health in a different way than they have before. So it's not something that we can approach without some thought as to how we approach it. It's just too dynamic right now. And COVID isn't the only issue uh, we're dealing with when it comes to safety. What are, what are some other things that, you know, kind of spring to top of mind for you um, in terms of just workplace safety issues? Well, you know, last year we saw a lot of OSHA's top 10 hadn't changed that much. Um, but one thing that has surprised me is incident rates are going up um, a lot of the companies that I work with and I hear this with other safety professionals as well we don't know if it's distractions overall with everything that's happening um, there's a variety of different theories on why this is happening but it does seem to be that there is an increased incident rate mm -hmm. where people are also working more overtime and things like that so it really varies by organization so we have to question okay how are we going to deal with the traditional safety alongside all these other things which COVID has taken center stage for getting close to two years now mm. and in that time have we let traditional safety slide or has the mindset stuff that has also become so prevalent uh, maybe leaked more and more into our workplace and we need to focus more on mindfulness because people's minds aren't at work right now as much as they normally are. They're everywhere else with a million different concerns. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we're also looking at people who got a lot of wage increases perhaps over the last year, if they're lucky, um, <laughs> that are now kind of back at the same place because of inflation. So there's so many extenuating circumstances that a return to mindfulness on task is really important right now, especially with the Christmas and holiday season, you know, there's always a lot of distractions this time of year. So, you don't know, have to go through the whole thing, but like, what are some examples of, you know, sort of mindfulness and how, you know, companies can kind of get across to their workers? Yeah, mindfulness is an interesting thing because it's got this sort of woo-woo mentality to it, <laughs> you know, uh, so it can kind of turn people off if you're saying mindfulness, but it's just focusing on the task and like, what are you actually doing? So we did a video on mindfulness uh, like a year and a half ago. It's on the YouTube channel. But in the research for that video, I found out so many interesting things about mindfulness. Like, for example, we don't actually multitask. We just switch between tasks quickly. And we aren't actually better at those tasks. 
So mindfulness, if you're able to kind of clear out distractions and focus on your work, even if it's a task you don't like. So think of something that you really don't like doing at work. If you're able to kind of turn notifications off on your phone or just do that task in any other way where you have nothing else bothering you, like your email, and you can just focus on it, you are better at that task and you enjoy it more. So that is a pretty good sell, even for me. When I look at something I don't want to do, it's like, okay, you can be better at this and you can enjoy it if you just delete distractions. That actually helps us to relax a lot. So that's kind of a way that I help when I'm talking to workers to kind of sell this idea of mindfulness. It isn't to be like, you know, we aren't going to sit cross-legged and meditate (laughs) while we do our work. We're going to do it with intention. And so that really does help people to enjoy their day more and who doesn't want to enjoy their work day a little bit more yeah that helps yeah (laughs) (laughs) um talk to me about um psychological safety i've heard it come up a lot over the last year in terms of you know helping you know workers just sort of you know deal with sort of the uncertainty that they're facing you know we've kind of addressed it a little bit but you know what are some ways that companies can kind of help with the psychological safety of their workers Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because again, like uh, employers are being asked to shift their mindset about what their role is as an employer, and we're providing so much more than maybe we did previously. Mm -hmm. So um, when I think of psychological safety, I always think of going back to Maslow's hierarchy of human needs and what people need to be to be functional and then to be fully developed and to do their best as a fulfilled person. And what we're seeing a lot of is just this sense of unease. Like, I think the only thing Americans are agreeing on overall, regardless of political affiliation, is that they don't feel comfortable with the direction the country is going. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever direction. Yeah. Concerns about what's going on right now. Um, you can tell like a lot of the nation has this sort of feeling of instability. We've also got um, increases in violence in the workplace in the last few years, those types of issues. And so for good reason, people aren't feeling as secure, either physically, financially, (laughs) their health is probably a little bit more in question than it was before, just because people have concerns about the virus. So what we need to do in those cases as employers is make sure that we're able to provide a secure workplace where people can feel comfortable, be relaxed, know that they're safe and secure. Um, And, you know, just as an example, um, you would think that most people do feel that way in their workplace, but imagine if you work in a retail location and you hear on the news that there's been a shooting at a retail location. You know, that's going to kind of change the way that you think about things throughout the day. And maybe it's not something that's on your mind all day, but you may look around and realize like that could happen here. That changes your feeling of security there. Or if you're somebody who works in an industrial environment, these things are happening in industrial environments, too. And there can be threats, you know, based on climate change and this and that. And so how are we creating a workplace where people can go in and feel good about the work they do and feel safe and secure while they're there? So there's a lot of different things we can provide in terms of just like, you know, if you have a guard shack, if you have more than one person working at a time to kind of um, help with those violence concerns, but also to make sure that they feel secure in their role. Like, do they have a path forward? Do they know if the company's considering layoffs? 
how is the company communicating about the path forward? Those types of things can really help employees and also reduce the turnover overall, which is huge. Yeah. Um, you know, we had you on our uh, EHS Now uh, recently. Uh, we talked about um, lessons learned from the shooting on the, the movie set of the movie Rust and sort of, you know, the, where the, the prop gun was you know, accidentally loaded and you obviously somebody died and somebody else was injured. Um, what are some thoughts, I guess, you know, what companies, you know, what we can take away just from a basic safety standpoint from, from you know, that horrible incident? Yeah, that was super interesting um, to, to look into and so unfortunate in so many ways. Like, oh, you just, you kind of feel for Alec Baldwin, you know? Um, right, yeah. In that position. He's they just, handed, the they just handed it to him and he, you know, got it. Yeah. yeah, he's doing his job. Somebody didn't do their job and his life is forever impacted now yeah. by that. Um, so some of the lessons that I took away from it are we aren't training people outside of industry on the hierarchy of controls. <laughs> you know, so we think about this in the safety industry. We think about it in heavy industry a lot. But filming and Hollywood and um, I, I guess I guess it would be classified under film production. It, OSHA doesn't apply to them. Right. You know, so they're able to fly under the radar doing some very dangerous things for our entertainment. Um, and so what I'm wondering is, OK, if they use the hierarchy of controls in that situation, they wouldn't have had a loaded gun on site. They probably would not be using a gun that could be loaded. That would have been engineered out, right? It wouldn't right. have been able to be loaded with traditional ammunition. And so um, you look at that and it's just like, okay, how were people trained on this? And what was the actual safety mindset? Because usually from what I've heard from interviews from other people who deal with weapons on set, they have some pretty strict protocols and it makes sense, but they're still using weapons that are designed to be weapons. They aren't, they aren't anything that is a prop, really, than mm -hmm. an actual gun. Right. So um, I think if we did better training for people who are maybe non-safety professionals on how to think about safety theory in general and the hierarchy of controls, that would have really helped in this case. They could have eliminated that gun and had one that didn't even have those capabilities on site. And I'm sure there's enough filming going on where there could be an industry or a model of weapon that would be much better for that. So those are some thoughts that I had thinking about it. And I think um, as other safety professionals out there listening to it, definitely read some of the interviews and, and listen to some of the, the news reports that included people who do those jobs where they handle weapons. I, I think they're called like armors or something yeah. like that on, on sets. It was fascinating to hear. Like they do seem to have decent systems in place, but they don't use safety protocols the way that we would think about them with the hierarchy of controls. So what happened was the Swiss cheese model of one problem after another after another that led to that incident. Yeah, it seems like a lot of shortcuts were being taken. Um, and, and you know, like you said, no, you know, not much oversight. So um, just a recipe for disaster, I guess. Yeah, and inexperienced is something that keeps coming up with the workers. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I hate to I hate to point that finger because you don't want it to sound like anybody who's a junior employee can't do that job just because they have less experience. But that's usually a job for somebody who's more senior in those roles. Yeah. And even the employee herself, one of them said she did not know if she was comfortable in that role. 
So what are the roles in our workplaces? Are people saying that and are we listening to them? Right. That's we, a big red flag right there. Yeah. Huge <laughs> red flag. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I wanted to talk now about um, 2022. We're, we're almost there, believe it or not. Yeah. And wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, what are some things that some safety trends that you expect to see uh, next year? Hopefully they don't, they don't all revolve COVID. I'm hoping not. I'm really hoping not. Um, what I do expect is the COVID situation will continue to settle out. Hopefully we don't have any more variants like the Delta that really throw us for a loop. Um, but, you know, continue to watch that, continue to see what happens there. But also look at what's being expected of employers and what's the national conversation about that, that tug of war between safety, security, and freedoms. So where is that going? Where are we drawing the line nationally? That should be an interesting thing. The other thing that's happened is, you know, we've changed our workplaces quite significantly over the last two years. So with more people working remotely, we're settling into these roles. We're going to be able to find out what some of the second and third order effects of this are. So think about things like ergonomic workstation setup at home. We kind of started with that a little bit not long after the first lockdowns, but things like that are going to be coming up again. And as people come back to the office and whatnot, as we figure out how this path actually works, we're going to get a better sense of what to expect. The other thing is we're doing so much more remotely and off-site is video is continuing to be a big deal. And what I'm seeing from my perspective, video trainings, yeah. you know, talking about things over video, um, having meetings over video and how do we get that consistent messaging across an organization is becoming a really big question that employers have because we aren't all used to doing video so i'm seeing a lot of things like company ceos um, and department leaders are doing like weekly videos where they're just coming on kind of giving an update to everybody in the department sending it out by videos they can watch it on whatever shift they're on and at their leisure so how are we communicating things out to a more dispersed workforce is and, also a big and one. another thing there is you know is the message getting through like or are people just sort of you know i think there's a tendency somebody's at home uh, or somewhere else watching something on video you know maybe they're like also doing like three other things at the same time so how do you know how do you know that they're actually getting the message yeah, as opposed to sitting like right in front of you know your your supervisor in a room you know if you're at home uh, watching you know a video maybe you're also like you know on your phone screwing around so um you know how do you sort of make sure people are, are getting the message of the follow-ups i assume yeah follow-ups quizzes are huge yeah. and uh, lms systems are getting very clever where if you're not on that open tab watching the video it'll pause yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. i've been caught doing that too like you Ours got me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. So, um, but if we're just sending out a video for everyone to see, it's good to ask for feedback. It's good to say, hey, what I need everybody to do this week is send me a summary of XYZ. Give me your top three priorities, you know, that type of stuff for office workers and for non-office workers, too. It can be something like production numbers. What did you do your safety talk on? Those types of things. Keeping people engaged. Really yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, there's a lot of talk about um, sort of 
safety culture. Um, what are your thoughts on just sort of safety culture in general? You know, what do we need to do to improve it? I think we need to make sure that we understand how turnover is affecting the culture. Uh, just because we talked about so much this year, I'm sure everybody's heard that, you know, we had the great resignation and so many employees quit. Um, and so what they say happens is anytime there's a change in about 30% of the workplace, uh, that will shift your culture. So look at what your turnover rates have been um, and how the culture has shifted over the last two years with all the changes and then with all, all the new potential employees as well. So when we look at culture, this could be um, a great opportunity to establish a culture because we've been dispersed for long enough now that we're coming back together. You can create some new habits and build in a culture if you want. Um, and then also what I would say is notice who your cultural leaders are throughout the organization because oftentimes they may be the leaders, but they may not. Right. Notice who's kind of leading the way with their voice and kind of and engage them in the safety culture however you can, because chances are things have changed <laughs> over the last few years. You're not going to have the same culture that you had before. Right. So we need to put in practices that are going to make it a habit to engage with that safety culture and engage in a positive way. So can we change our messaging to be more positive? Can we get people out there who are positive thought leaders? You know, those types of things are going to be super cool, super fun to be able to do. And also, let's be flexible about how we do it. The way we approach things before is probably not the way that we're going to approach things now. So be open to new ideas. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that'll pay off for a lot of people. You know, I think we can't keep doing business the same way we have over the last you know, umpteen years and things, you know, there's, it's a different world now. And uh, yeah, we need to kind of uh, find different ways to reach people. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, it's a challenge for sure, but I wouldn't say that business leaders should take it all on their backs. I would definitely encourage them to work collaboratively with employees and see what employees are looking for too. So um, get a group together that can, with a very clear objective and go from there on what they think would really work because employers are going to be very busy just managing the day-to-day -day business. We sort of need to make sure that we are using our leadership and our employee leadership group to help steer us through this time. Well, that's sound advice. Rachel, I want to thank you for joining me today. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's good to see you again. Yeah. That wraps up episode 90 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Mm -hmm.